I don't know how to start the show. Any of you have an idea? <laughs> UNC basketball's back, baby. <laughs> Heck yeah. Bing bong. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it's good to be winning games consistently and convincingly again because, and I, t- I think I tweeted this too. Um, we had to sweat out wins against uh, College of Charleston and um oh what was the other one that was kind of dicey brown 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 and we're blowing out a ranked michigan team and probably formerly ranked ranked. it's not ranked anymore but you know it's still there's it's just like when people beat us when we're we are not great there's this they still say oh we beat north carolina you know we can still say oh we beat michigan you know (laughs) um but uh beating michigan and uh, at home in a really in a in a, in a home environment uh, feels like a, a obviously it would be an overreaction to say a make or break game. But it, it was a seemingly important, win. a tone setting win. Um, but then um, and then beating Georgia Tech on the road uh, in a true ACC road game early in the in the year has um, which, by the way, I still hate. Uh, I still hate it. Just throwing a random ACC game, you know, except for, you know, the Blue Devils, you know, is that what you're going to say? <laughs> yeah. 14 of the 15 uh, ACC team, ACC men's basketball teams had and uh, had a game this weekend. The lone exception is Duke. I have a feeling it's because exams are this week or this week for them, but it's also the weekend. But I don't know. I don't know. Seems a little exams for everybody. Yeah, yeah that's up. Seems a little, little sus, but uh, the, I, I mean, I'm, there's 15 teams. Someone is not going to play. So, but still, though, like I was looking at their schedule, and like they played on November 30th, and they don't play again till December 14th, which is I feel like a real crazy gap. Yeah, it's very long. But anyway, we are not a uh, a Duke podcast. We beat Michigan. Yeah, we did handily that, and i i mean couldn't help but feel optimistic right after that because the thing noticed from the very beginning that uh coach davis talked earlier in the week that he recognized that the defense was poor um coming out of mohegan sun and women's adjustments seemed to be made and they yeah. were effective we looked legit that game yeah we looked like the carolina basketball of old and then some I think the thing I noticed from Nora and I pointed out in our chat, like we were fighting through screens instead of going underneath screens. Um, so we were just causing a lot more defensive havoc. Um, well, just being on the ball more. Like, I mean, you would watch Caleb and RJ not let them just hand off the ball to each other. Like they're throwing their hands in there, like trying to, you know, break up their flow. Like, yeah, you know, it seems like, I mean, honestly, it's a bit of a, a return to the Roy Williams si- style of defending screens. What we were doing was switching, mostly switching one through four, basically everyone except for Mondo, um, except for the end of the shot clock. Now we've got that hard hedge back. Well, a har- it seems like a harder hedge than we had under Roy. It looks more similar to what Virginia does against screens than what we used to do but it works. There's a reason they do it. And there's a reason they're one of the most uh, sound offensive teams in the country year in and year out. Yeah. I mean, this team, if we're playing with that type of defensive intensity, I mean, that's going to be a team to beat. And so like I said, you can't help but feel optimistic about that. And that is a perfect 
coaching moment for Hubert when looking at film, you know, how many turnovers we were able to create, how many points we were able to score off of turnovers and how that flips back onto the offensive side, which is what everybody thinks is fun. Shows them if you can have just as much fun on defense and create as much havoc there, it's going to lead to, lead to those same offensive things. And that's only going to make everybody else more fired up. Yeah. It was nice to be at the end of the game, not like nervous out of my mind that if we were going to pull it out or not, like, there was some. There was a certain confidence watching uh, uh, Caleb like pull up from Asheville on the logo on the logo. I was like, I think this is going in, and it splashed. And I was like, and and I think um, I think someone said it last year. I know I heard Jay Billa say it, but there was a thing about where like Caleb Love is a good shooter who is having a bad shooting year. And I feel like it is now showing up <laughs> this his actual shooting showing up this year. And again, a lot of maturing for both him and RJ. So that's a credit to both of those guys. I mean, and it's always is that thing where, I mean, typically you have like sophomore slumps and everything, but both of them have just shown a lot of development from this year and last year. We'll get into it more in the Georgia Tech game where they're not settling for the same type of shops more. They might do it here and there in specific situations, but they're getting to the basket more. They're kicking it out more, but maybe that's a credit to the new system and such. Um, so like I said, that's definitely the big thing. I think. It goes without saying, though, I think the essential uh, term uh, sequence of events was just getting Hunter Dickinson in foul trouble, mm -hmm. getting him two fouls quickly in the first half and then having to take him out, and then Armando attacking him immediately to start the second half. He had three fouls, excuse me, in the first half. And then Armando gets that first hook and then goes right back to him, gets that fourth foul with like 18 minutes ago. I mean, completely took out, out of his rhythm for the game. Had Hunter Dickinson played more minutes in the first half and the second half, I think it would have been an entirely different ballgame. Hunter Dickinson shot five. He had five field goal attempts all game. You can win like that. Yeah. Pretty good. Well, if they pointed, I think they pointed it out on the broadcast. It was almost like what Armando had against Purdue. It was almost the exact type of circumstances where Armando just couldn't get into a rhythm, and so they took him out of the game. And so we took arguably Michigan's best player out of the game. Mm -hmm. most definitely good win so very, very much win. uplifting i think right, it kind of right. smoothed over all the, the the nervousness the slightly panicked nature of the fan base there was, what bad, happened. there was a bad taste in people's mouths after going over two against purdue and, and tennis in a tennessee and you know it would be one thing about you know we lost to purdue i think we we're all on the same page about being fine with that but then getting blown out by Tennessee, it was like, mm, what's going on here? Paired with the, or coupled with the, the fact that we were struggling against Brown and, and College of Charleston. I think everyone was a little, just a tad nervous. Also UNC Asheville to a point. Right, yeah. So like I said, I feel like that definitely smoothed things over. I mean, like I said, whatever adjustments Coach Davis has uh, done in practice, it seems to have worked. And so um, that also gives a lot of positivity there. The man can coach. He's been around some Hall of Fame coaches, not only in his college career, but his NBA career. So I think he has a, a lesson or two in his bag. Well, I also think the other thing is he had time to practice. Those first group of games happen in very, very quick succession. You don't really have a lot of time to go in and fix, really get into the details and fix the things that need to be fixed. We got a little bit of a break and we got back in the lab and now the defense looks good. And it looks as advertised as Hubert was talking about going into the year. So 
I I think that first stretch of games is going to be a a learning moment for him going into future, like down the road of this season and then into future seasons. Um, and hopefully people will stop begging Wes Miller to come down here now. <laughs> and like, and then from there, you, I mean, you have positivity after the mission game, but can you do it again? And on in a road environment with the first game in ACC play, that that was immediately what people went to. And the place that said. has given you nightmares the nightmares. past couple of years. We did it. We won by 17 on the road in McCamish. I don't remember the last time we beat Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Yeah, it was a, a, a of the parts of the games that we could watch. Um, shout out <laughs> to Lewis Hamilton uh, for pulling out the win. Little little testy there, him and Verstappen. Little little tempers flare there. Possible the, brake check. Yeah, listen, that that wasn't possible. That dude slammed on brakes with him behind him on the straightaway. You can't do that, dude. I did that coming home from Thanksgiving break too. <laughs> But it was a, that. Listen, once the Tar Heels got on TV, they started actually playing. Um, so should we uh, have been on TV from the beginning of the game? We might have gotten biscuits. Just saying. But no, I mean we kept with it. Uh, again, showed just a lot of offensive versatility. Um, Caleb Bub started off with two threes. At least that's what uh, live tweeting from like Michael Coe and others were tweeting out. So we've been told. <laughs> yeah, so so we were told. Um, but then Georgia Tech just goes on this big run. I believe it was a 19-2 to two run uh, after five made threes in a row. And then Hubert Davis calls timeout, which, I mean, maybe you call it after maybe the third or fourth, but he calls it after they get a breakaway dunk, which I feel like that makes more sense. That's just a low-energy type of sequence. But, again, they responded. So we end up tying it in half, and then, like, the mission game just came out ablaze in the second half, and also the opposing team stalled. So, I mean, I think the big deal um, going into the game, Michael DeVoe was probably the big guy that they were talking about, their leading scorer, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. He only had 13 points, and so it was a defending uh, defensive assignment by committee, so it was both Leakey and Anthony Harris's job uh, to, you know, keep him at bay and it seemed like they did a good job with that if you told me at the beginning of the game he was only scoring 13 points I'll, i'd take that yeah his offensive rating for the game uh was 90 um and he was held to one of five from three so that's winning basketball right there on the other side rj davis uh mvp <laughs> is out here killing thrower. but this, this is what we thought he would be like coming in like we would like he was uh advertised as this offensive flamethrower because we were like oh he's what five ten five nine like so we're like oh well we're recruiting this small guy because i mean he can get buckets kind of in that like was it chris likes chris likes is that was ever the guy from miami mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right do you play for arkansas now i think he, he does play yeah, for arkansas, arkansas yeah, now he does um but uh yeah i think this is what we kind of thought would come out of recruiting RJ and it's good to see um you know that come to fruition both him and Caleb having success at the same time makes me happy because they deserve it after a rough yeah. year and you know so it was off of dribble moves he had that transition three that gave me a lot of anxiety I don't know if it did y'all 
Like I'm just not used to seeing Carolina basketball do a transition three from the guard, like not, not from a trailing big or a wing, but the guard getting a transition three just by running it up the court and then shooting it. And I was like, that was a bad shot. And then it went in. I'm like, well, never mind. <laughs> heat check, which speaking of heat check, Dawson Garcia didn't do much shooting. <laughs> didn't, but Brady man got his threes in. I mean, and he can rebound really well. I mean, he, he's stepping up and, I, I mean, I appreciate him coming off the bench, but he might be entering that starting territory at this point. I think what we're learning from the way uh, the way Hubert Davis coaches is that whoever's hot, they're going to stay in the game. I know uh, the at least I will I will talk about my father, who has been frustrated when. Carolina has someone who's on a roll and then TV timeout comes and they're on the bench. Um, yeah. Which happened, which happened a lot. And I'm sure Roy had his reasons. I'm sure there were good reasons for why he did that. Just a different style of coaching now. Yeah. No. And like I said, he's definitely riding the hot hand. And if it's not, you are on the bench. Uh, I don't think Kerwin touched the floor in the second half. He didn't did take not. a shot. I don't believe either. I mean, that's unheard of given what, he was able to produce last year and it's just weird you think of all the people that would benefit from this new offensive system it would be him he's having probably the, the real sophomore slump of anybody yeah brandon marks mentioned on twitter that hubert davis doesn't want to be calling a bunch of set plays but when he does call set plays when he does talk about calling set plays he talks about calling them for Kerwin. So I think until Kerwin either gets better on defense or until he can start playmaking a little bit on his own and within the flow of the offense without having to have a play call for him, it's going to be a little bit more difficult this year for him to get on the court and stay on the court. Now, I think Kerwin Walton is like the perfect size to be like a pretty good defender on the wing, but he, that's going to be a skill that he's going to have to develop in this system. Plus, he's still shooting. Hold on. I have Kim Pom up. Um, he's still he's shooting. Like 37% from three, I heard. And it's, but it's like fourth still best on the team. Yeah, he's 10 of 28 on the year. Right now, everyone, um, everyone who has shot more than two threes has made at least 36% of their threes. And the lowest is Kerwin. <laughs> we are a good three-point shooting team. <laughs> a really good three-point shooting team. I don't know if I ever thought this day would come. I didn't. I was just about to say, you all remember when we were like, every time we shot a three, it was like, ah, like, you're like, if that, like, any three we took was a bad shot. And it was a miracle when it went in. We are mm-hmm. fourth in the country in three point percentage. It's pretty good. When you think about Hubert Davis coaching a team, like, stereotypically, that's what you would think. Like, Hubert Davis, sharpshooter. The team that he coaches should be filled with sharpshooters, you know? But Mm -hmm. the other thing here is that it's not like we're jacking up a bunch of shots as far as shot distribution. Only 34% of our our field goal attempts are threes. We are getting in our our effective field goal percentage is 16th in the country, which means we're just getting good looks. (laughs) <laughs> and we're knocking them and that's down. That's what you want. That's that's yeah. a sweet spot almost. Absolutely. Where you don't have to put up, you don't have to put shoot 20 or 33s to get that percentage where you can just keep that 
only a minor part of your offensive scheming, but because otherwise, RJ Davis, Caleb Love are getting the basket. Otherwise, um, Armando Bacot is getting his baskets in the paint, and it's more of an auxiliary kind of thing that it adds on, tacks on to it rather than something that it relies on, which perhaps the teams of the last two or three years had to try to rely on it. And that's why the percentages, I think, were lower because it's much more forced. Um, let me put on my cape real quick. And let me just say, Leaky Black played a good game while he was out there. He did exactly what we need Leaky Black to do. And I think this role that he's kind of carved out for himself is one that can work in this system. It most definitely can. So he understood the assignment. He absolutely. It, I think that is the most apt use of. He understood the assignment that there's ever. Yeah, been. not like how Raft did it. <laughs> so, but yeah, like I said, can't help but be positive after these these last two games. Um, yep, really exciting stuff for Carolina basketball. Yep. Um, we have moved up in Kempom to the number twenty nine team in the country. We have the eighth best eighth most efficient offense in the country and we're still in the 80s on defense but that seems to be it's climbing up it was in the hundreds so sure slowly but surely trust the process all right let's move on actually before we move on to football shout out to women's basketball eight no laughing folks i mean that like what's a homegirl is it is it it's utsby how do you pronounce Usby. it? Utsby? No, Ustby. It's U-S-T. Oh, yeah. okay. Alyssa Ustby. I thought it was like the, like, you know, like the, um, uh, what is it? Like, like, the, the, like the chips? The chips. Uts. <laughs> yeah. Um, By yeah. the way, I'm pretty sure the heir to the Uts fortune went to Carolina and lived in Granville. I think that's the thing. That's just a sidebar. I also think I met her one time. Anyway. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah women's I mean, basketball, really good. On also, like I said, we're still playing. We're still in that kind of tune-up game mode. It'll, it'll be a whole other story once we get into ACC's play because ACC play is always pretty competitive now because you have Notre Dame, you have NC State, Duke is on the rise, Louisville, you name it. Um, now, if we start playing like this against those folks, that's really going to start turning some heads. Um, I think right now we're just trying to get ranked at this point. Um, I mean, I feel like they have a good enough resume because, like I said, they're not just winning by 10, 15 points. They are lapping folks. Yep, they're doing exactly what you're supposed to do, which is beat the team in front of you. I mean, three-point barrage, it seems like. I think they shot 67% from three for the game today. And it's like the highest percentage in the country um, so far for a game. That's ridiculous. Talk about the three-headed, five-legged creature that is UNC football now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the mayonnaise bowl. Uh, we're playing South Carolina at 11.30 in the morning the day before New Year's Eve. <laughs> you know, it's not you know not a bad trip for unc bands don't have to go too far still get to make it home for new year's eve you don't have to be in detroit <laughs> you know you say that like it's a bad thing not not necessarily the exotic uh travel destination compared to others but um, at this point 
I think you're just wanting to get a good crowd, I think, that can support this team and what might very well be Sam Howell's last game in a target uniform, whether he plays or not. Uh, so I think of all places, Charlotte was definitely going to be the best location. I, I, I'm sure the committee saw that as well. So we'll get a look at either Sam Howell for the last time, or we'll get a good look at Jacoby Criswell and Drake May. Well, like I said, I think I pointed this out on the last pod, but how ironic now that it officially is, is that Sam Howell, again, might very well end his career in the stadium that his ascendancy began against the team it began against. And so if he doesn't play, how likely is he maybe to see that next ascendancy happen, either with Jacoby Criswell or Drake May? So it's I would a full circle. I would just like to win a bowl game. I don't think I've seen it yet. <laughs> Have we won a bowl game since? Yeah, we beat Temple. Yeah, that's right. Temple. We did beat, that's right. We did beat. And Temple. last time we were in Charlotte, we won. That's what it was. We beat the team that's in the college football playoff right now. Yeah, we will. I'm sure as we get closer to um, the Mayonnaise Bowl, one, we'll figure out which of us is going because I feel like there's a good chance at least 25 percent of this podcast is going to um, the Mayonnaise Bowl. So I can say, unfortunately, with certainty that there will not be a hundred percent participation. <laughs> uh, Aaron, how excited are you about either Shane Beamer or Mac Brown possibly being covered in mayonnaise at the end of this game? Very excited. <laughs> I feel like this is a hundred times better than the famous Idaho potato bowls, potato bath. I guess it's a French fry bath. I Mayo wish it would, I really wish it was russet potatoes just being dumped on just somewhere. raw potatoes getting dumped on potatoes. I feel like that would result in like an injury to somebody. Yeah, but it would make me laugh, which is worth it. Yeah. I mean, the thing will be to follow, I'm I'm sure probably within the next week, if I would say perhaps tomorrow, usually they start to do press conferences like on Mondays or whatnot, that we'll start hearing who might be opting in, who be, might be opting out. But overall, I'd say regardless of who plays, I think it is a really good matchup between us and South Carolina. Yeah, I'm not sure how many seniors we really have that are projecting to go in prime draft spots. I mean, Jeremiah Gimmel's a senior, so – and he's go. – I'm semi – I mean, I haven't looked at draft boards. So I mean, not – say anything i don't know about <laughs> but i wouldn't be surprised if jeremiah gimmel got drafted um other than that him and sam do, do, can y'all think of anybody ty chandler maybe possibly ty chandler but i feel like he could only improve his stock by playing uh for maybe josh azudu yeah but st still same situation with him yeah. like i said i think you can uh, for those guys you can only improve their stock um, so yeah, I like I said, I think it's a good matchup overall. Um, they kind of had a similar season that we did, uh, where it's just kind of up and down. Like they had that really good game and beat Florida, um, but they also get beat by a struggling Clemson team, thirty to nothing. So it's just whatever team shows up. Similar to what happened to us. Alabama one, Michigan two, Georgia three, Cincinnati four. I believe Alabama and Cincinnati are playing. Actually, I don't have this memorized. Do you know where these teams are playing? Yeah, Alabama and uh, Cincinnati are Cotton Bowl. Mm -hmm. Michigan, Georgia's Orange Bowl. So, 
I think the Gary Barda is lying to us. I think if everyone was being honest with themselves, Michigan would be number one and Alabama would be number two. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that they're trying to avoid that rematch in the semifinals. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I just would have liked that so much more because I think Cincinnati and Michigan would have been a fun game. They're close to, and I think Cincinnati could have beat them. And I think they're, like I said, they're it's a conspiracy. Uh, Cincinnati, <laughs> they don't want Cincinnati to go to a national championship. They don't want a group of five team making it. Uh, did anyone actually? Play did anyone actually watch the show? Like the announce, like the announcement show? I did. I watched. Yeah, I watched the first hour or so. Then I got bored. So how? I was reading, it was like the Reddit CFB Twitter account talking about how the ESPN anchors are being very like dismissive and like kind of, um, what's the word for it? They were gaslighting. They were gaslighting. Kirk Herbstreet was like, well, I was told that the G5 can never get into the playoff. (laughs) And it's like, yeah. Yeah, we've had this system for what seven years now. And <laughs> at least half of those seasons, there's been at least one team that's been in the conversation. Yep. And I was like, let's recap what had to happen for this for us to get here. Both Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati had to go um basically undefeated or have like very, very good seasons. In the previous year, Cincinnati had to get lucky and years ago schedule Notre Dame and hope it just so happens that Notre Dame is the number five team in the country. They win at Notre Dame and win the rest of their games. And now you are granted a spot in the college football playoff. I feel like if you have to do all that, whereas there was a very real conversation this year about there being the first two loss um, team going into the playoff from any of the, not any of, but from some of the power five conferences, then maybe if you're saying that this is a college, a college football playoff, we aren't being entirely honest with ourselves. If they just called it a power five playoff, then okay, whatever. Just don't lie to me. My problem is when you lie to me, (laughs) Like, if you don't want Alabama and Georgia playing in the semifinal, just say that. It's like, okay, I guess I get it. It makes sense. But I don't know. So if Georgia and – well, let's see. So Georgia's playing Michigan. Michigan. So if if Georgia beats Michigan and Alabama beats Cincinnati and we get a rematch, how – like – I could already tell you I'm that's really boring to me. Like that's the one matchup that I'm like, whatever. Like if it makes you feel any better, I'm not sure Georgia's gonna beat Michigan. I would I would actually very much and this I don't know, I don't know how Aaron feels about it, but I would actually really like to see Michigan win win it all. Uh I know that it's like no, screw that. But I would actually very much like to see Michigan win. Yeah. I mean, in August, we were literally talking on this pod wondering when Jim Harbaugh was gonna get fired. A lot of people felt that way. Whole lot of lip service where it was uh, lots and lots of talking about how good they are and what they all could become and et cetera, et cetera. And then not being backed up on the field and not beating Ohio State. And, you know, so now, but now you're in the CFP. 
I would. What I think is going to happen, I think Bama is going to beat Cincinnati, and I think Michigan is going to beat Georgia. But I can't shake the feeling, not the feeling, because I saw it happen. Alabama got better as the year went on, but they were not world beaters the entire season. They weren't world beaters last week. Yeah. I thought Auburn was going to do it, man. If Auburn would have just taken care of business, we wouldn't even be in this situation. It, no, if Auburn had Bo Nix, I think they win. The, the wildest thing is I think if Auburn has Bo Nix, they win the Iron Bowl. So, I I don't I don't know. This team is fallible. And, yeah. and and Georgia's problem for the other SEC team this year is that Stetson Bennett is Stetson Bennett is a pretty good quarterback, but what's going to happen if they're down two scores? Can't do you trust Stetson Bennett to lead you from behind if you're Georgia? Sure. No, because I just saw him throw pick sixes and everything in the SEC championship. So as talented, he has a month maybe to learn from it. But. Yeah. So it's exactly as talented as Georgia has been for the past, however long under Kirby Smart. The one thing that's consistent is him bungling the quarterback situation. <laughs> like, there's no reason a team as talented as Georgia should be in this bad of a quarterback situation. And that even happened when they were starting freaking what Jake Fromm or mm-hmm. Eason, whoever, over Justin Fields, and then losing him to Ohio State. Like this isn't a new problem. So, anyway, again, more on those games coming up. But hey, Cincinnati's in. That's fun. Happy for him. I'm also happy for him. Go Bearcats. Um, let's do this. How do we feel about Brian Kelly's new accent? <laughs> Family. <laughs> well, I do declare that it was a really nice accent. I said, I said, I love the good fans at LSU. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Kelly just auditioning for Knives Out 2 in the middle of his introductory. Who <laughs> boy, that's bad. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's someone, so, someone tweeted when, when, uh, when Brian Kelly takes the job at Boston College, and it was like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey where's yeah. the freaking Gabagoo?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this so is funny. But uh, or I think it was Rutgers. No, Rutgers. He takes, <laughs> takes the job at Rutgers. I saw another one about Boston College, and it being like Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> like, like a Mark Wahlberg uh, uh, clip, but uh, Rutgers, it's the he weighs the freaking gabagoo. Is LSU <laughs> under Brian Kelly going to be a hashtag problem? No, no, you think no? I don't think so. I oh, mean, okay. they they own the state of Louisiana, and so that you they already own it without Brian Kelly. I and I think he can pull some some blue chips out in the neighboring states. I mean. And he, that's what he, exactly what he did at Notre Dame. And, I mean, LSU is, I don't think, exactly the brand that Notre Dame is, but the real estate that they own is equal to, if not larger. Um, so, let me put it, let me ask this, let me arm you, David, with more information and ask a 
question again. Sure, go ahead. Ed Ogeron mm-hmm. won a national championship. That's fair. Les oh, Miles yeah. <laughs> won a national championship <laughs> at LSU. Mm-mm. I think Brian Kelly is, and then the one before that is Nick Saban, which we are going to put him in. I'm not going to dirty his name by putting him in this conversation. <laughs> but if if Les Miles and um, Coach O can win national ch- championships at LSU, I see no reason as to why Brian Kelly couldn't. That's fair. Well, but why is it any different than Notre Dame? Uh, because Notre Dame signed the conference. Fair. And, and I. The- conference that notre dame played in is a lot easier to play in than the sec i agree especially once you add texas and oklahoma uh, are we sure are we still sure about that <laughs> i am i'm maybe I, one of those schools but not the other <laughs> well yeah but like one of those schools is still better than at least 80 percent of the acc slash the notre dame schedule Fair enough. I think um, <clears throat> benefiting from the recent national championship, plus you know exciting new hire in Brian Kelly who has had success in Notre Dame, plus having a run on the state of Louisiana, I could see, I could see it with Saban getting older. You know, because how old is Saban now? He's seventy. Yeah, right at it. <clears throat> so, you know, I will re- I will say he he has the potential to be a problem. I see. I can see it. All right. My next let's just lean into all the hot takes. Um is Lincoln Riley afraid of the smoke? <laughs> is is Lincoln Riley running from the SEC? He's I mean, I think I th- I think that's a perfectly valid take. Um, I mean, it sounded like there were reports that that's exactly what it was, that he was not in favor of them moving over to the SEC. And you think about it, he's now going to the Pac-12, where the, the path to the college football playoff would be much easier. But it's also a strong enough conference that you still can have challenging enough games and a strong enough schedule to have a resume for it. How good of, a, could, coach, how good of a coach is Lincoln Riley, really? I think he's a good coach. I think he's a good coach, but I feel like he's very much like, or not very much. This might be fun. Who's a better coach, Kirby Smart or Lincoln Riley? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't have a. (laughs) And we're like, "Mm, uh, because I'm, I'm kind of. Let's see how much is it. Yeah, I mean. I would say definitely. I would say at this point, the recruiting goes to Kirby. Also, Kirby, I think overall got a much better program uh, than Oklahoma. I mean, maybe it's not that big of a difference, but Georgia, I would say, has been much more consistent. Um, if anything, I mean, but even if that's true, because Oklahoma is almost always in the college football playoff, so I don't know. Mav, I think your mic's just switched in the middle of your sentence. Yeah. <laughs> it, it did. Sorry. You switched, no, you switched back. Gotta love technical issues. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, 
I think Lincoln Riley is going to do really well at USC. I feel like that job suits him. Also, shout out to Carol. Hope you're doing well. I like that she has a blazer for whatever school that she's at. Just always but she ready. she did not have the pearls. Bring back the pearls. Bring back the pearls, Carol. I know you're listening to this. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think USC is going to be better under Lincoln Riley than it was under Clay Helton, who they had to suffer under for 15 years, apparently. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that Lincoln Riley is a significant coaching improvement on paper, emphasis on paper over the past probably every coach since Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I agree. I, I what just just what strikes me about Riley is that his defenses are always bad. To be fair, he was in the Big 12. That's also true. It's requisite <laughs> in the Big 12 to have bad defense unless you're Baylor apparently. Yeah, exactly. Oklahoma State tried to have good defense and then they got punished for it. So, <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts before the one that is hilarious to me? I mean, one thing that is, I think, a big thing to note, and it seems like it is pretty much done till now, that well, with Lincoln Riley going to USC, it sounds like OU has identified Brent Venables oh, yeah. as mm-hmm. the replacement leaving Clemson, which I don't think, I think people underestimate how big of a loss that would be for Clemson. That's a huge loss for Clemson. I mean, he's one of those coaches you go for the coach, like, and when he leaves like that, that could have some big ramifications recruiting wise and and overall just scheme wise, like losing that kind of talent or whatnot. Let's Um, see how um, Virginia, how's Virginia Tech's defense looking these days? So after uh, Bud Bud Foster, yeah. So it's it's big stuff. Um, and there's like rumors too. It's not not necessarily all of them, but things that Clemson could very well lose some of their recruits right now uh, on the defensive side. A lot of those players, Carolina was in the race for, and there might be some tire kicking if that happens. I'd rather them go to Norman than anywhere else. So. Thank you for bringing that up. I forgot that happened today. Um, but yeah, it seems like at least probably by, I think by tomorrow, it'll be official. But yeah, that's going to be a very, very big loss for Clemson. Okay. Now to the weird one. It seems that Miami has two head coaches. <laughs> this is the great schism. This is like when there was... <laughs> It's like when there was three popes at the same time. <laughs> Except it's instead of Rome, it's Coral Gables, Florida. <laughs> Except one of them's not there because the current head coach of Miami, Manny Diaz, is out recruiting today and having to look at the news that maybe he doesn't have a job anymore, but he kind of does what he kind of doesn't. And his possible replacement is, has literally been given a deadline to when he's accepted the job. So it's not even Miami firing him at this point. It's his replacement that is effectively. It's why I've never heard of this before. Like the report, I think it was from Ross Dellinger that said, 
Um, they're trying to get this done by midday tomorrow. If Cristobal says no, then Manny Diaz will be retained. <laughs> like at that point, I like if it were me making the money that I make right now, and my employers told me that they brought someone in to replace me, but they said no, so they're actually thinking about quit uh keeping me on, I'm quitting. <laughs> you're you're not gonna you're not gonna tell me you don't want me and then uh and then you change your mind because like, you don't get the person you actually want. That's not gonna happen. Uh of do, course if I'm Manny Diaz, I'm waiting this bad boy out to get that payout. But do, do they currently have an athletic director? I know that they poach Clemson's. I'm not sure if they've like officially hired hired them. But that situation is closer to being resolved. I feel like this is also like the teams who hire a head coach before a general manager. Never a good plan. This is a mess. This is just a straight up mess. And like they're still dealing with the issue that like half of like the higher ups at Miami don't actually like the football program. <laughs> They'd rather like there is a good amount of Miami brass that would rather the University of Miami never play football again. And if you don't like that, you don't like ACC football. <laughs> It really sounds like a handful of boosters are running the program right now, which is never what you want. And so we, I asked this, so Cristobal played at UM? Yes. Okay. So I was like, that's He's the also only from the area. Because I was going to say that's the only logical reason why I see him leaving a pretty good job at Oregon um, to go to a place like Miami. Breaking news. Oregon head coach reportedly agrees to $8 million per year deal to become Miami's new head coach. Hurricanes have not fired Manny Diaz. <laughs> Manny Diaz has now been promoted to assistant to the head coach. Oh my God. That's incredible. Oh, wow. Um, I'm glad that happened today and not tomorrow. Uh, what do you <laughs> I mean honestly though I feel like that's a legit pickup. I mean Cristobal's done a heck of a job at Oregon. Um so I mean if anyone's gonna write the ship, I feel like someone like him could be able to do that. Yeah, but I also feel like they've said that about the last three head coaches at Miami, so Yeah. I don't know. I mean Maybe we're gonna have, have to play him every coaches, year. Like a I mean, Diaz came from. Situation. I mean, what Diaz came from Temple? Did he not? Um, he I mean, was I, I no. Mean, Mark Rick. He he came. He was the DC at Miami. He took the Temple job, and then like very very soon after, uh, he took the Miami job. Miami job. Okay, I want to say other than Mark Rick. Though I was going to say, like, really hadn't had much tangible coaching experience coming in. I would say that's the main difference. Fair enough. I also think Willie, no, Willie Tiger was FSU. Never mind. But that's another. The Oregon to Florida pipeline is strong, apparently. Manny Diaz was coach of Temple football from December 13th until December 30th, 2018. <laughs> 
So he basically had two mooches as his stint of head coach at Temple. Anyway, it's a done deal. Mario Cristobal uh, is the new head coach at Miami. Manny Diaz to be determined. Hey, do we need a new defensive coordinator? Just wondering. Uh, I like our, we were bad at points, uh, but our run defense is still much better than what I think anything Manny Diaz would put on the field. Can you imagine? He would never work for Mac Brown. <laughs> never, no. ever. No. I, <laughs> yeah, that would never work. Mm-mm. Like people were floating around hiring Will Muschamp. That can't happen either. As defensive coordinator, though? That, but that, I, I just don't think that would happen because, like I said, I don't think he can hire any of those folks he had at Texas. I think I've been hearing, I mean, this is like the most rumory of rumors. Um, Will Muschamp going to Clemson as their defensive coordinator, which might be very, very good for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a name brand kind of person. Um, I think he could pull in a lot of talent still. And he's a good DC. He's just not a very good head coach. Yeah. So if they do get him, that I mean, that, that would be a solid pickup. All things considered. Cool. All right. What else do we have? Anything? The NFL is kind of slow this week, at least in terms of our teams. Oh, yes. Uh, there is one more. Both, thing. The, both the Titans and the Browns are on by. I think we both successfully won our by. So congratulations, Aaron. Yes. The Panthers are on by as well, right? We did not win our by. I don't know. Uh, this result is undetermined so far. Uh, but Joe Brady, our offense coordinator, was did they say parted ways? Parted ways. Parted but ways. I saw at least one fired, but most said parted ways. I wonder if there is a college job that he's interested in. Just wondering. That very well could be the case. I don't know, but I am not super torn up <laughs> about it. Uh, I mean. <laughs> He showed flashes of being good, but it's not like it's going to change much, I don't think. Yeah, the running backs coach is going to take over play calling duties for the rest of the year. I don't know. At this point, it's kind of feeling like a tank situation. We got to tank because we just lost Christian McCaffrey to IR. We lost Dante Jackson, our starting cornerback, to IR. It's looking like we're we're tank. We got tank. Get that pick. I don't even. I'm not. I don't even know if we would do anything with it. Quite frankly, but draft Sam Hell. No, they want like I saw. <laughs> they want Kenny Pickett. Pickett. They want. Kenny. <laughs> By they the want way, Kenny Pickett's not opting out of his game because he's about to light Michigan State up. Their pass defense is garbage. Oh, speaking of Kenny Pickett. Let's talk about the fake slides for a second, because my dad... That's, yes. Oh, yeah. My my dad has a proposal, and I think it's a good one. I co-sign. He said, if you fake slide, you can do it. But after you do it, you no longer get any more protections on your slide as a quarterback. So if you even pretend like you're about to slide, light them up. <laughs> for the rest of the game, for the, for the rest, rest of, the, of the game, just hit them forever. as much as you want while you're sliding. I feel like that'd be so tough to determine like just how, forever. like, for, it, then we're getting to like baseball situations. Did he actually swing at the plate 
like it's one of those situations. How do you determine if he did fake it or, or whatnot? But it was it was something I really didn't think about when it actually happened. I, when I first saw it, my instinct was like, oh, wow, what an ingenious move because um, it, it, it left everybody just frozen. But then you put in the implications with it is that the slide is a whole thing where it's meant to protect the quarterback. And anytime a quarterback can sit while they're sliding, it, nine times out of ten, an unnecessary roughness flag is coming out. So with those implications, the fact that you use that move in order to take advantage of that, I, I see where the implications can come in. It feels icky. My actual proposal, you shouldn't be able to do that. Like, I, I don't think you should be able to fake a slide. I feel like if you start, like, you could see – the little um rubber pieces like start to pop up from his foot i think once that happens you gotta blow it dead like he you can't let people keep running after that because this it's taking advantage of safety rules and i'm not i mean i'm a dork but i'm not that much of a dork but i feel like that's (laughs) that's something that you need to crack down on yeah. I mean, I had not seen anything like that. And people were saying, like, it should be an unsportsmanlike penalty. I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. Nothing like, no, no. That's getting into dork. That's getting into Uber. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely would support just calling the play dead. Yeah, call it dead and be done with it. Because they were, well, they're going to slide anyway. Like, that's where the ball was going to be placed. So just put it back where they were. Because like. if you let that continue, if that becomes a go-to, then you're talking about, well, a defense now instead of going from two options now has three options. A slide, they're gonna either they're gonna slide, they're gonna try and go through me, or they're gonna try and fake slide. And at the and I'm gonna try and hit you in all three of those situations now instead of one of the two. Yeah. So that's a safety thing. Unless they just want mass chaos, in which case go for it. <laughs> let let the defense go at it. Anyway, future. Panthers quarterback, can you pick it? <laughs> so, you know, Pittsburgh and Carolina seems that they might be very well traded their quarterbacks for in, at the professional level. I, I've, I've seen Sam Howell to the Steelers, but the reports came out that Ben is most likely done after in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, he's he's cooked. He, it, that, that's a wrap there. So. He's been cooked. He took about yeah. two long He could have retired four seasons ago. The oven is smoking. <laughs> All right, y'all. Anything else? Or we need to get out of here because I smell this chicken and it is very, it smells very good. Barbecue chicken alert, but it's not. It's marinated chicken alert. <laughs>